Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. I'll be reading from chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. Friends, hear now the word of God. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I have. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Friends, the word of the Lord. Husband and his wife went out for dinner. When they came back, they were surprised and shocked to find an armed intruder in their bedroom. The man turned around in shock and pointed his gun at them, and he said, well, raise your hands. He said, now that you've seen me, I'm going to have to shoot you. He said, but I'd like to know my victim's names. So he points at the lady and he says, ma'am, what's your name? Trembling in fear, she said, Elizabeth. He said, what? That's my mother's name. I can't shoot you. He gathers his composure and he looks at the husband. He says, and sir, what's your name? He looks at the gun. He looks at his wife. He looks at the burglar, thinks for a moment. He says, well, My given name was Joe, but my friends all call me Elizabeth. (laughs) Ever try to be somebody you're not? I have too. And you know, it never works out that well, does it? Today's text is a parable. Jesus makes it up. It never even happens. But there's a teaching lesson here, a point he wants them to catch, a point he wants us to catch. He makes it up to communicate an important lesson. But before we talk about the two characters in the story, allow me to set the stage. In Jesus' day, every day at dawn, a lamb is sacrificed down at the temple. The lamb's blood is shed. It's sprinkled on the altar. And then the incense is lit. The trumpets blast. And there's a reading of a psalm. And then they believed access was open to heaven because the blood was spilled on the altar. And it was time for them to pray because the door had been opened to heaven. This happened every day at dawn. It happened again every afternoon at three. So twice a day, those faithful Jews had the chance to pray to God. And it was just after the blood had been sprinkled on the altar. Just after dawn, just after three. Now in the story, our two characters are going down to the temple 
to be there at three. They want to be there when the access is open to God and they're allowed to pray to God. They both go to pray, but that's about the only thing these two characters have in common. So I'd like to contrast them as we begin today. Number one, these two men come with different reputations. The Pharisee in the story is part of the Habarim, an elite group of men who are well-educated, well-respected, well-connected politically, men who were the good guys in their society. They had studied and learned the Torah. They had memorized the Mishnah and the Talmud. They were the good guys. And they spent all their time adhering to the letter of the law of the 630 laws. They were rule keepers, thought to be the good guys. On the other hand, our tax collector was the bad guy. He's a Jewish male who worked for Rome. He'd been hired and assigned a certain geographical territory to collect the taxes from the people in that area. He was given a quota to collect, and everything he collected over the quota went into his own pocket. So he was one of the wealthy guys. Ate the best food, had the nicest clothes, one of the nicest homes. As such, he was hated by the Jewish people. Thought to be a no-good, money-grubbing Roman collaborator. If a tax collector was coming toward you on the street, you'd cross to the other side so as not even to make eye contact. That's how badly you hated them. So in our story, while the Pharisee represents the good guy, the tax collector, rep collector represents the bad guys. They came with different reputations. Number two, they take different locations at the temple to pray. The Pharisee stands aloof. Emotionally, he's disconnected from the others. He feels like the Amharits or the average common Jew didn't deserve to be in his presence. So he withdrew away from them to be separated, lest any of them touch one of his garments and he become unclean. On the other hand, the tax collector sat alone. He felt he was unworthy to be in the presence of the average Jewish folk. He knew they hated him. So while the Pharisee feels others aren't worthy to be near him, the tax collector feels like he's not worthy to be near others. So they go to different places to pray. Thirdly, they take different positions to pray. The Pharisee stands with his hands across his chest. He looks skyward, tips his head back, and he prays loudly so that others may hear. The tax collector bows his chin, beats on his chest, and prays softly in sorrow and anguish because of his unworthiness. Two different positions to pray. Fourthly, they offer different prayers. The Pharisee offers what's really not a prayer, it's really a bragamony. Ever go to the fair and see these people who draw caricatures? You know, the cartoon with the big head and the small body. And to make it funny, they overemphasize some physical feature of the body. You know, for President Reagan, it was all his wrinkles. For President Clinton, it was his big nose. For President Obama, it was what? His big ears. You get the point. 
That's what Jesus is doing when he talks about the Pharisees' prayer. He exaggerates it to communicate the point. He emphasizes how narcissistic and arrogant the Pharisees were. The prayer isn't really a prayer because it's not to God. It's about the Pharisee. And he's thanking God that he's not like these other people. That he gives his tithe. That he fasts. And he's not like that tax collector over there. It's a bragamony. Jesus makes it this way on purpose. And then the tax collector comes with a very simple, heartfelt prayer. It's only seven words long. Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the word that's used here for mercy is the word elastate in Greek. And it literally means atonement. He's saying, oh God, make atonement for me, a sinner. The prayer is a very different deed. And as a result, number five, they get different results. Different results. You see, friends, this lesson is not really about prayer. Jesus doesn't say whose prayer was answered. No, he tells us who goes home justified before the Father. This parable is about salvation. And Jesus is attempting to answer the question, how can someone be justified before my Father? And his answer is, approach the Father just like the tax collector. Three different categories of people in life. The first category is made up of the people who know. Sometimes we're in that category, sometimes we're not. Jesus was always in that category because he always knew. He was omniscient. The second category of people are the people who don't know, but think they do. This is the Pharisee. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. The third category are the people who don't know, but they know they don't know. And that's our tax collector. He has a need and he knows it. And he knows what he needs. He doesn't need five principles for better living. He doesn't need a life coach. He doesn't need better nutrition and exercise. He needs a savior to deal with his problem, which is sin. He says, oh God, make atonement for me a sinner. He knew who he was and he knew what he needed. He needed a savior. It starts by knowing we have a need. And then the next step is you have to turn to the right source. All religions aren't equal, all gods aren't equal. Only the God in the Bible sent his son down to become the sacrifice so his blood would be shed and access would be opened up to the Father. Only Jesus became the sacrifice. Only Jesus arose on Easter. He knew he had a need and he knew God had the answer. Someone once said, God has placed inside each of our lives a God-shaped void that only God can fill. He had a need, and he turned to the right source. I read this last week, a true story, and took place in Utica, New York. It was in the Observer Dispatch newspaper, and the true story said, two burglars had stolen a TV from a home, broad daylight, 
They're carrying it down the driveway to put in the back of their van. Neighbor pulls up, says, hey, are you taking that in to get fixed? They said, yes. He said, will you take mine? And they did. <laughs> Not enough to know you have a need. You have to turn to the right source. All sources aren't equal. Had a need, he turned to the right source. And thirdly, he comes humbly with empty hands. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He didn't think he needed to help God with salvation. He knew that all he contributed were the sins from which he needed forgiveness. C.S. Lewis once said, there, but for the grace of God, go I. I love that. Try to repeat it often. I also like to say it's only by God's grace that I can stand because there are lots of skeletons in my closet. Probably a couple in yours too. And it's God's mercy and forgiveness that allows us to gather here as children of the living God. Those chosen, those forgiven, those grafted into the family tree, those adopted to be brothers and sisters with Christ himself. We know we have a need. We turn to God for the solution, and we come humbly with empty hands. When I was a kid, my favorite actor was named Don Knotts. I went to every Disney movie that Don Knotts has ever made. The Apple Dumpling Gang, The Ghost of Mr. Chicken, Gus, No Deposit, No Return. Have you seen any of these? And the reason I watched the Andy Griffith show was Barney. It wasn't the acting of Otis or Andy or Aunt B. It was Barney. He was my favorite. That series ran in the 60s. In 1986, I'm sitting at the kitchen table in San Ynez, California, where I lived. I was a youth director at the church there. I read an article in the paper that Hollywood's coming to our town of 2,500, and they're going to film a movie called Return to Mayberry. Didn't go on screens. It was just on TV. Any of you remember the movie Return to Mayberry? Anybody here? Oh, man. <laughs> kind of hurts. <laughs> the movie was 90 minutes long, and it was all the characters that ever appeared in the Andy Griffith series on TV, they all came back to be in this movie. And all but two came. Aunt B and Floyd the Barber had passed on. This is 20 years later. And they filmed this movie with all the other characters. Ernest T. Bass, Ernest the Drunk, the Darlings, Goober Gomer, everybody came. And the article said at the bottom, if you want to try out for a bit part or be in one of the crowd scenes, here's where you come to interview. My wife and I couldn't wait to go. When we got down there, she is given the part of the waitress who waits on Andy, Barney, Thelma Lou, and Helen when they eat the restaurant. And if you watch the movie, which none of you have, <laughs> you'll see her numerous times. I get the bit part of being the sound man down at the TV station where Barney comes to report spotting the monster in Myers Lake. There's a time where Barney and I are standing side by side. We're the only two on the TV screen. And then it zooms in. I'm the only one on the screen for four or five seconds. Now, who would have thought that? You know what I made for that TV appearance? 32 bucks. 
eight hours at four bucks an hour, and it was worth every penny. But the part of that experience I want to share with you happened at lunch. I was told to be there at 8 a.m. My scene would be shot in the afternoon. So from 8 to 12, I just watched. Mostly they're moving around cameras and lights, and they filmed a couple of short things. But at noon, we broke for lunch. And lunch was catered. It was outside. There were picnic tables that had umbrellas over them. They were well decorated. There's a buffet line on one side. It was beautiful. I wait toward the end feeling kind of unworthy to be in the crowd. And when I go through the line, all these celebrities are sitting out there, people I've been watching on TV for years. I don't go sit with them. I go sit by myself at a picnic table off to the edge. Kind of shy and introverted anyway, truth be told. And I'm not there more than two minutes, and somebody to my right says, can I join you? And I look, and it's Don Knotts. And would you believe for 30 minutes, he and I are the only two sitting at that picnic table having lunch. In the entire 30 minutes, he asked me questions about my family, the church, living in the valley. And I kept trying to redirect and ask him questions, and he'd answer really quickly and then point it back to me. And when the half hour's up, I didn't remember too much of what we talked about, but I remembered a great deal about how he made me feel. He made me feel like I was important. He listened, he asked questions, he'd ask follow-up questions. He was the somebody talking to the nobody, and he made me feel special. And when I think about what humility is, that's kind of what comes to my mind. People who focus on others instead of themselves. People will ask others questions instead of telling about themselves. I think that's what Jesus did. He came not to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. In our story, he says there's just one point. You want to know how to be justified before the Father? You want to know how to be in God's family? Come to God just like that tax collector. Realize you have a need. Come to God who can solve your problem, who sent his son to become that sacrifice, that when you receive it by faith, you're forgiven. And then come humbly. Come with empty hands. There but for the grace of God go I. Only by grace do we stand. But friends, by grace we do stand. And as such, we're overcomers. We're more than conquerors. In fact, the Bible says we're even saints. Did you know that? Adopted into God's family. Because God's good. And God's loving. Not because we're special, successful. Not because we've achieved a lot. This is about God. It's about what Jesus did. Not about what we've done. Want to make sure you're in God's family? Go to God, just like the tax collector. Admit you have a need. Turn to God for the solution. And come with empty hands. Please pray with me as we close. Father God, we come with empty hands today. Nothing to you we bring, only to the cross we cling. You did what we couldn't do. And Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. And he died to death we couldn't die. So that when you see us, you see us as if we had lived the life Jesus lived. That's what forgiveness is about. We come with empty hands, admitting we have a problem. We don't need more principles to live by. We need a Savior to forgive us from our sin. And you provided that through Jesus, your son, who became the sacrifice on the cross, whose blood was shed, that we might be forgiven 
redeemed, adopted, and loved. Father, help our minds understand, help our hearts receive, and help us overflow with gratitude for the gifts you have showered down upon us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.